um, week on the Alpha course in the Sunday setting, um, I, I can feel your groans of disappointment. Um, how many of you are glad it's over today? Let's be honest. <laughs> how many of you, but it's been a great education, it's been wonderful, hasn't it? It's been brilliant. We've had some amazing speakers, you know, we've had some amazing speakers. Thank you, uh, uh, Steve, at least. Um, no, but we've had some great um, speakers. We've had wonderful interaction. We've got to know each other a little bit more, yes? Get to hear each other's opinions a little bit more. Got to see that some people look quiet, but they talk a lot. And so, yeah, yeah, all right. So today we're going to talk about what about the church? What about the church? So um, I want us to begin by just looking at this verse very briefly, Matthew 16, 18. This is not in your notes. And it's simply the Lord Jesus, and he says this. This is the, um, the first place that the word church is mentioned in the New Testament. And our Lord says, I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Jesus says, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. So what is the church? Well, you know, as we're doing this Alpha course, hold on, before I even go any further, let me just say, it is wonderful to have back with us Mr. and Mrs. Osei Kumani. Let's just, yeah. Can you see the glow? There's a, hey. Wonderful. Amen. So let's carry on being spiritual now. Um, So, (laughs) You know, this Alpha course that we're doing, it's been a great um, time, and uh, you've had these small groups, and you begin to interact with one another, and uh, being part of a small group, in one sense, is a taste of what church is all about. However, when you look at the Bible, uh, you realize that church is far more than just a group of people meeting together. And there are some popular misconceptions about church. If you say to people, what do you think about church? Some people think church is about meetings, going to meetings, normally boring meetings. I remember as a believer, sorry, before I was a believer, I beg your pardon, I used to see church as a place, an environment where old people went. Now I'm a bit older. Where old people went and it was a very boring environment. But also, a popular misconception about church is that church is buildings. Church is buildings. However, church is neither buildings nor meetings. Although a church may have a building or a church may have its meetings, at the heart of or the essence of what it means to be church is something far more profound and more enlightening and enriching when you look at it from a biblical perspective. And certainly in the New Testament Bible, there are possibly over a hundred different images that really speak about what it means to be church. But we're going to focus on five for the purpose of this course and look at these five basic images about what it means to be church. The first image is that of Friends, friends, John chapter 15, verse 15, our Lord Jesus says this, 
No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all things that I heard from my father I have made known to you. I wonder if we could lower me just a little bit. It just seems a bit loud on this end anyway. So, our Lord Jesus calls us friends. So through the church, we become friends with Jesus and friends with one another. Now the Greek word, there's a Greek word that you see commonly in the Bible translated fellowship. And that word fellowship really captures what friendship, that G, the kind of friendship Jesus is talking about. It's a Greek word koinonia. And it speaks of partnership. It speaks of interaction. It speaks of sharing. It speaks of communion. It speaks of um, um, intimacy. It speaks of coming alongside another. It speaks of partnership. And Jesus calls us to be his friends, his partners. One that we can have intimacy with, communion with. And one that we can share with. One that we can fulfill and do life with. But we are also, as a church, called to be friends with one another. And the depth of friendship we're talking about cuts across our age, it cuts across our ethnicity, our background, our culture, our personality types, and so forth. And certainly, I have found, since being part of the church, I have found amazing friendships and connections with people that I never had before I was born again. Now... I've had negative experiences in church for sure. I've had bad experiences with people in church. Why? Because people are people. In fact, when I first got saved in the early days of my journey, if there was one place after I got saved I did not want to go, it's where? To a church service. I didn't want to go at all. But I, 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 I was really forced by God to go. And I remember the first time when I was going to a church that I was to become a member of. I remember the Holy Spirit spoke to me. Now, at the time, I didn't realize it was the Holy Spirit. But I had this thought, strong thought, that came to me and said this. Now, Joseph, remember, as you are going to this church, remember that people are people. And when that strong impression came into my spirit, I understood what I was being informed. And that is, in the world, Joe, you experience rejection, you experience prejudice, you experience bad things. Now, when you enter church or this environment of um, church people, you are going to face the same kind of thing. Don't let that put you off. And I really thank God for that because, indeed, I did face all of that stuff. But I also experienced genuine, meaningful friendships with many, many, many people. And it's been such a wonderful privilege. Now, there are two things that you cannot do in life, alone. One, you cannot get married alone. <laughs> Mind you, these days. <clears throat> and then two, you can't truly demonstrate your Christian faith alone. Now, at times, people have this thing about, you know, my Christian faith is between me and God alone. And uh, I understand the sentiment because I, I, I kind of sympathize with that kind of mindset. I was one of these people where, I remember when I went to, when I first started going to church, I didn't want people to talk to me. I didn't 
why are you coming to talk to me for? I didn't come for interaction and talking. And this group thing, I would have been, I would have been not a part of it in Jesus' name. At least that would have been my mindset. I didn't like talking to people. So when you came to me, you would experience my normal relaxed face. And so people used to say to um, my friend and I, my friend, why is your friend always so angry? It was a face that said, don't talk to me. I'm not here to talk. However, I thank God that there were people in that church that persevered with me. They showed me love and they showed me true friendship. So even though you may have negative experiences in church, don't let that put you off. The reality that church also means friends and friendships. Friendship with God and friendship with one another. Being a Christian means we belong to the church and we are part of each other, which will involve us establishing relationships and developing friendships as we gather together regularly. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Now, this was one of the verses of scripture that really spoke to me when it came to church life. And it says this, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. When I first saw this scripture, I was not very happy. Because as a younger believer, I, I, you know, sometimes you read the Bible and you don't, it just seems like you've just read old English and it makes no sense whatsoever. But other times you read the Bible and it just hits you, bam. This one, it hit me, bam. And it was simply saying to me, don't stop going to church every week, even though you might not want to go. And don't copy other people's bad behavior. Just because you see people not going, don't copy them. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's not talking about you. Now, the reality is, your faith will never survive on your own. On your own. If you try to live this Christian experience on your own, your faith will gradually dwindle. No matter how strong you are, no matter how much you love Jesus, your faith will gradually dwindle and you become spiritually cold. We need one another. All right, so that's one image of uh, church is friends. Church is also family. So as church, we are not only made up of friends, we are also family. We are the family of God. Now, let me say it like this. The church is not supposed to replace your natural family. No, 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 no. Your natural family is very important. And we are to treasure relationships, our natural relationships. Your, the church is supposed to enhance your relationships with your natural family. Because the church, in a way, is supposed to upgrade you from a carnal person to a spiritual person so that when you're back with your natural family, they really like the new you, the improved version. Hallelujah. But, but as a, the church, we have to realize that we are the family of God. And as family, it is we belong to God and we belong to each other. In fact, the Bible tells us that whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves him 
who begot also loves him who is begotten of him. In other words, when you love Jesus, you also love his brothers and his sisters. Now, uh, there's a popular saying I've heard in my pilgrimage, my, since 82 that I've been walking with Jesus, I've heard a lot of Christians say, I love God, but I don't like Christians. I heard someone say the other day, but they're not the only one. I've heard many people say, maybe you said it the other day yourself. <clears throat> I love God, but I don't like Christians. Maybe you felt that way. Or I like God, I love God. You really look serious right now. I like God. I don't mind Christians, but I don't have Christian friends. Hallelujah. <clears throat> anyway, when you become born of God, something happens to you. And you become part of God's family. So, as part of God's family, God is your father. And the people in your church are now your brothers and sisters. Turn to your neighbor and say, hi, brother, hi, sis, or whatever. <clears throat> now, if you've given your life to Jesus, the person next to you who's given their life to Jesus is part of your family now. Now, if you have not given your life to Jesus, these people here are your potential family. Maybe you might want to wait then. Uh, no, not really. No, 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 no. We can't say that we love God, but we don't like his children. It's like coming to my house and saying, Joe, I really like you, but as for your children, look at them, they're all ugly brutes. Don't want to, no, 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 no. It's like, they're off. No. You have to, we have to love God, of course. We're commanded to love God and to love his people. Now, again, it does not mean that his people are perfect. Of course they are not, because you are not perfect. So definitely, if you are not perfect, others might, might be not as perfect as you are not perfect. Okay. <clears throat> now, one thing about the, the family of God is this. The beauty of the church being the family of God is this. God's desire for the human race is to bring the whole human race together as one family united in Christ. That's one of the purposes of the church. See all the wars that's going on, all the terrible things that's happening? If the whole human race came to a saving knowledge of Jesus, I'm not talking about um, religiosity. I'm talking about a, the saving knowledge of Jesus, a lot of things will cease. And I'm telling you this, even the church as it is now, if even this small fellowship here, if all of us yielded our hearts to the Lordship of Jesus, a lot of little things, some of the challenges, some of the problems that we face right now in our private lives will, will find its proper solution. Amen. So when we become Christians, it means there will be certain things that will happen to us. Being part of God's family involves something God does. He gives you his Holy Spirit and he changes your human spirit to become like Jesus' spirit. Second thing is this. There is something that you have to do when you become part of God's family. You have to repent of the way you see things and the way you do things. In other words, you have to have a change of attitude and a change of direction, and you have to believe 
God or believe Jesus. In other words, you put your trust and your confidence in Jesus. And then there's something that the church does to help you to become part of God's family. The church baptizes you in water. In fact, it's like saying this, the church immerses you in water because that's what the word baptism means. It immerses you in water. Now, you might say, what's the point of that? Baptism has many important factors to it, facets to it. One, it is a visible mark of being a member of the church of Jesus Christ. But it's more than just a visible mark. What a lot of people don't realize is that there is something supernatural that happens when people are baptized in the water. Just like when we take communion, you're not just taking bread and wine. Yes, you are taking bread and wine, but by taking that bread and wine, there is a spiritual dimension, there's a supernatural dimension to that natural act of taking bread and wine. And the Bible tells us that if you approach this table in the wrong manner, it has severe consequences to it, to where a person can even die prematurely. Now, that's the communion table. Baptism is so powerful that when we are dipped in that water, not only is it before you're dipped, like when you give your life to Christ, your sins are forgiven, of course. But when you go into that water and when you come out, your sins are washed away. And it means your old life no longer has a legal access to you. Now, this is what a lot of people don't realize. Until you get baptized, yes, your sins are forgiven. Yes, you're going to heaven for sure if you die. Yes, you're part of God's family. But your old life still has some kind of access to you. But the waters of baptism washes your sins away. I want to read one verse of scripture just for this point. Acts chapter 22, verse 16. And another time we'll talk more about baptism. It says, and now, this is to Paul the Apostle, Ananias was speaking to him. He says, and now why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. He was saying to Paul, wash away your sins that are now forgiven through the waters of baptism. So baptism causes us to have a cleansing from our sin. It also causes us to identify spiritually with the dying and the rising of our Lord Jesus Christ. Until you're baptized, yes, your sins are forgiven, but you have not acted out in faith the dying and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so it is so wonderful and so powerful. And as you go down under the waters of baptism, your old life is completely gone. And as you come out of those waters, a new life has begun. By the way, for the New Testament believer, baptism is not an option. It's a command. Anybody who says they are followers of Jesus, but when it comes to their baptism, they delay, your faith is suspect. Your faith is suspect. I, I, I confidently affirm that. It's like saying this. Let me ask you this question. Those of you who haven't been baptized, or those of you who think baptism is not important, if you knew Jesus was coming next week, would you get baptized? Or would you wait to find out what he has to say? You've gone quiet again. Say to your neighbor, he's talking to somebody. 
in the New Testament, you find that believers, after they gave their life to Jesus, were commanded. They weren't asked, would you like to be baptized? They were told, get baptized. They weren't, they weren't given baptismal classes like we do. Where's Petrina? Is Petrina here? Thank God for Petrina. Where is she? She's an amazing woman, that one. If you want to get baptized, see her. She knows all the tricks. I mean, she knows all that you need to do. She's an amazing woman. And we thank God for her ministry because her ministry has helped so many make that transition. But the reality is, in the, yeah, you can give her a hand. Yeah, give her a hand. She's an amazing person. Yeah, she's wonderful. But the reality is in the Bible, you know, sometimes as you're sharing the faith with a person, you know, Jesus is Lord, and they say, hey, really? And, yeah, you need to, give Jesus died, yeah, really? And, you know, you need to give your life to Christ, yeah, really? And, you know, and you have to be baptized, yeah, really? And what do you want to do about Jesus? I want to surrender to Jesus. Awesome. So, in fact, one guy, as they were talking, and he led into Jesus, as they were talking, he, the, Philip wasn't even mentioned. He had talked about Jesus, about baptism. The guy saw some puddle of water somewhere. No hygiene business, you know. And said, look, there's water, water over there. What's stopping me from getting baptized? Today, wait, health inspection, wait. This, I said it deliberately, health inspection. Okay, health and safety. <laughs> anyway, let's just quickly move on. So, you need to get baptized. Okay, so church is family. Thirdly, church is home. Church is home. Church is not only an environment of friends and family, it is also home. God's home. God lives in the church by the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us that the church is God's dwelling place. God dwells in the church. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 to 22, the scripture says, Now therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household or the family of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit, or for God's home. Under the Old Testament, God used physical buildings to represent his home. In fact, his presence was in a small box called the Ark of the Covenant. But in the New Testament, God lives in people. A building made up of people called the church. God lives in you and God lives in me when we give our lives to Jesus. And the wonderful thing is this. Whenever God's people are gathered together in the name of Jesus like we are today, that gathering becomes God's home. Our Lord says in Matthew 18 verse 20, where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. I'm right in the middle. I'm in the center. Hallelujah. We are God's home. And so when we gather like this, there are some simple things that we need to be doing. Acts chapter 2, 42 says, They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, 
in the breaking of bread and in prayers. In other words, when we gather like this, there are four things that should be evident. Prayer should be there, apostles' doctrine, and that was the teaching of God's word, and breaking of bread, communion table, and also the fellowship. That is the interaction and the sharing and the friendship and the partnership um, that we experience together. Also, the church is Jesus, or Jesus is, is a visible expression of Jesus. It is the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 27 says, Now you, which is the whole Corinthian church he was talking to, are the body of Christ and members individually. So locally here, we are a small representation of the body of Christ. All over the world, the church is made up of billions of people that together represent Jesus on this earth. The church is Jesus visible to the world. And you and I are also Jesus visible to our world. Amen. And then the church is love. The church is a profound love affair between God and humanity that is demonstrated through Christ and his church. The church is an environment of love, unconditional love. I like to define love as fondness, kindness, welcoming, acceptance, benevolence. All these um, adjectives describe what love is about. Love, I think, is it adjective? I did this, you know, I'm not good with English. Um, they, they describe what love is about. But it is unconditional within the context of the church and within the context of God. In other words, God shows us kindness. God welcomes us. God accepts us. God is generous towards us regardless. It's unconditional. It's unconditional. And... Uh, one of the things that I began to experience when I got saved was being loved unconditionally. Before I was saved, I had serious rejection issues. Serious rejection. Even after I got saved, I still had a lot of rejection issues. But through the ministry of the church and people in the church, I began to feel loved. I began to feel accepted. Even though my first local church I was a part of, I did experience a lot of rejection. In that same church, I also experienced love. And this is the amazing thing about church. Because it's family, people will hurt you. People will misunderstand you. People might even betray you. Hey, it happens. But at the same time, you will experience unconditional love. There are many in the church that will love you unconditionally. Don't allow the one or two bad experiences that we have to blind us to the wealth of love that exists among us. In this church, I have seen many show unconditional love. I've seen one or two be a bit mean, including myself. Sometimes I've been a bit mean. I have to confess my sins in Jesus' name. Amen. But, hallelujah. But the good far outweighs the bad. Amen? 
And so, Jesus loves the church. And Jesus loves you unconditionally. And he loves you wholeheartedly. I like to put it like this. Jesus likes you even when you've messed up. You know, growing up in the faith, I know what it's like to mess up so many times. And many times, because of my lack of knowledge, I will come to the Lord and I'll say, Dad, here I am again, a dead dog. I'll say that because I read it in the Bible. Somebody will say it. So I thought that was a good phrase to describe myself. Here I am, Lord, you're a dead dog, your servant. I come to you again. I mean, I don't say dead dog anymore because I don't think we're impressed with that because I'm not a dead dog. I'm, somebody said, well, you look like one, but I'm not one. But being loved by God, being accepted by God, and then makes it easy for you to love other people. The more you experience God's love, which in its highest form is forgiveness, the easier it becomes to ex express that love to one another. And uh, you need to know that he loves you unconditionally. And he wants you to experience unconditional love so that you also can demonstrate it. So, that kind of love that the church is supposed to be famous for is inclusive, it is radical, like I said, it is unconditional regardless of our backgrounds, our ages, our ethnicity, our lifestyle or perspective. And I close with this. The Lord Jesus said this, John 13, 35. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. The church is not supposed to be like a museum or a shopping mall that displays perfect people. No, no, no. It's supposed to be more like a hospital that welcomes the broken, the hurting, and the wounded, helping them to find healing and purpose through Jesus Christ. And this unconditional love that the church is supposed to demonstrate or actually possesses breaks down barriers, puts people back on their feet, helps to restore people and heal them. And thus, the church becomes famous for its love. Not even for its power. Not even for its, certainly not for its buildings. But for its love. We're supposed to be famous for our love. Listen, you don't go to church because you are the church. And as the church, you are friends of Jesus. You are God's family. You are his home. You are Jesus made visible. And you are love. That means you're loved by God and you love one another. Amen. God bless you. I want us to pray.